that. What is up, everybody? And welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We are the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you are subscribed to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you aren't already. And go and follow the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media and subscribe to the YouTube channel while you're there. And yes, it is Friday, May 7th. For those of you listening, Friday, Thursday, May 6th for me. And for me, it has been exactly one week since the 2021 NFL Draft first round ended. Basically, what this show is going to do for the first part of the show, we got well, maybe not the first part because we got some tiny little things to touch on before we get into that. But we will talk about my week, my week one reaction to the 2021 NFL Draft to see if anything's changed. My favorite picks from the first round, or we might just go through the entire draft. I don't know. And Todd McShay, you know, ESPN's one of their ESPN draft guys, another person that I had more picks right in the first round than, hold your applause, he released a 2022 NFL mock draft. This got released when? This got released today at 6.15 in the morning. Prime time to get stuff released. And it's kind of fun to see these out right now when knowing that this might not be anywhere close to being right. Actually, more likely than not, it will not be right at all because last year, who would have told you after the 2020 draft ended that Zach Wilson would have the second pick overall and Justin Fields would have fallen to 11? Who would have told you for the 2020 NFL draft the season prior that Joe Burrow would be the number one quarterback over Tua and Justin Herbert? Like No one would have told you that before the 2019 draft. Would anybody have told you Kyler Murray would have been the number one draft pick? Hell, he was drafted by the Oakland A's. You never know what's going to happen until the pretty much the day of the draft, and even of the day of the draft, you don't really know what's going to happen. You have your thoughts and ideas of what could happen, but ultimately you're going to be wrong and look like an idiot. You are lucky to get 10 picks right in the first round, and me getting an 11 and a half, because we got Panay Sewell in the right spot, but wrong team, I guess, then you you're like you can hold your head high and hold superiority over the people that get paid to do this. And then it makes it even worse when you go back and look at it. If I just didn't do trades, this draft would have been a thousand times better. We would have got 17 and a half picks right instead of the 11 and a half. That's six more picks right for those of you who can't do math. And I, I don't don't question me because I'm not 100% sure I might be wrong. Because you know when you say things, you know it's right, but then you start questioning yourself. I find that when I work for my dad. He asks me a question, and I know it's right, but I start questioning. It's like, oh, you're making me question myself. I know 17 minus 11 is 6, but I'm questioning myself, and I apologize for that. And I shouldn't be questioning myself, because right now, I'm rocking a brand new, brand new, just came in the mail today. I just got off work about a half hour ago, and I get home and see a package in the mail. Yes, a package in the mail for yours truly. And they are a pair of new Crocs. Yes, we had a pair of black ones, which is boring. We don't want to wear the black ones around. So we got this pair because I was up in Cedar Falls last weekend. I Cedar Falls slash Iowa City because remember we were at the Iowa Spring game as well. And Sunday or Saturday night after we got back from Iowa City and we're hanging out in Cedar Falls, my friend Spencer has a pair of yellow Crocs. And I was like, these are these are nice. I can't wear my black ones. I feel weird with my black ones on. When you have Crocs, you got to make a statement. You can't just go, I'm going to get normal shoes. You can do that with normal shoes. You can't do that with Crocs. You got to make a statement. They got to be bright and colorful so the people can see them and go, wow, that dude's bold. That dude's wearing Crocs. And that's the situation I was in. So I was looking online and I found this pair. And the color they were described as was flame. And I looked at them and like, yes, those are pretty flame. So I was going to buy those pairs, but they didn't have my size. On the first two websites I checked and then found the website known as Zappos or something along the lines of that and found out it was a legit website, ordered them less than a week later, they're in the mail. And just for more confidence in the show, I thought I'd rock them today. And you can't see them because obviously this is a podcast. We don't have video on here, but rest assured, I have these bad boys on and they are in casual mode. We don't need to flip into sport mode. We're not doing anything athletic today. At least I'm not planning to. Things could change. It's only 5.44 at this point in time. Things can change. I got about four hours until I want to go to bed because I'm old. And yeah, 
That'll be nice to go to bed, but I just needed to announce to the world that I got a new pair of Crocs. Because I feel like Crocs make a statement, and when you hear the word Crocs, it's like, ooh. It's like the word Heelys. Like, you know, like, uh, someone wears those? That's the exact feeling you get when you wear Crocs. Like, oh my god, I'm actually wearing these shoes. Unironic- well, actually, is it unironically? Or is it ironically? It could be a happy mixture of both. I think that's how I'm feeling right now. It's like, do I love them? Yes, on both an ironic and unironic basis, if that makes any sense. Which I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't make sense, any sense to you whatsoever. But, you know what? They're comfortable as hell, and I will continue to wear them. I wore them when I let my dog out to go to the bathroom, and I was looking fly as hell. Yeah. Get home from work, take off the disgusting pair of jeans you had on, throw on some sweatpants, throw on the, the flame Crocs, and you're feeling fly. You're feeling pretty flame. It's nice. It's nice to get a new pair of shoes, especially when you get a new pair of Crocs. And I got another pair of shoes coming in the mail tomorrow. Kind of splurged on myself. Uh, uh, that's not, I kind of spent a lot of money on myself. I didn't like how that sounded. I bought another pair of shoes. Basically, the next day, I bought a pair of Nike. Uh, they're basically, I think they're Nigel Houston shoes. They're sick. White, white Nikes with black swoosh. They're sick. I mean, it's me. Logan Blackman hosts the Logan Blackman Show. You know I got a good sense of style. And you go check out the merch and see the style as well. And yes, we are going to be rocking some sick swag coming up in the near future. And I'm not going to give any more information than that. You'll just have to wait and see it. Because I've toyed with this idea for months. I've teased it. I've never actually done it. We haven't done anything with it yet. But that's coming up. We're coming to a fruit. We're coming... To a certain point. And you know what else was pretty flame today? And I feel so weird saying that. I hate, like, the words, oh, flame. That's lit, dude. Or what other stupid words are there out there that people like to say? Cap. That's cap, bro. I hate these words. I say them ironically. I don't go in there and go, wow, that's cap, bro. I've never said that unironically. Every time I say it, like, oh, those are flame, dude. It's always ironically. I say sick sometimes. I, hell, I used to say beast unironically for, for meaning how cool something is. So I guess I shouldn't be uh, one to tell you what words are flame or not. <laughs> but Manchester United, they won against Roma today. They had a very, not very, I almost said very impressive performance. It wasn't a very impressive performance. They won or lot, well, it's kind of a mixed bag here. So I'll explain for you all the soccer plebs out there that don't understand how this stuff works. For soccer, once you get into the competitive matches, you play a home and away game. The, you play to a certain, well, you don't play to a certain score, but the amount of goals in both games, whoever has more goals moves on. But if you tie on goals between the two games, the team that scored the most away goals moves on. So away goals carry more weight than home goals. So, it's, it makes for some intriguing ties because if you, you're you up in the series, but you win uh, 2-1 on the road or something like that. And then the other team, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know. I should have wrote stuff down. I didn't. I didn't. I'm sorry about that. But Manchester United won the tie, lost the game 3-2. Very weird game. Very, very weird game. Manchester United won 6-2 in the first game, so I didn't mean it didn't really matter this game. They kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit, but not enough to where it just like, Let's just see how many goals they can score while we still win the tie. It, w- it was just weird. And in the other game, Villarreal held on with a nil-nil draw with Arsenal after winning 2-1 in the first leg. Villarreal will move on to the Europa League final to play Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yes, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer versus Unai Emery, Arsenal's former manager, has taken them to the Europa League final. And then in the Champions League, we have Manchester City playing against Chelsea. So, pretty impressive stuff. The Battle of the Americans, as some people are calling it out there in the sports media. Zach Steffen versus Christian Pulisic. Battle of the Titans. I mean, I doubt... I Christian deserves a start, but probably won't, because he's... I don't know what the standing is with him at Chelsea. He's one of their better players, but for some reason, Tuchel and Frank Lampard before just don't... I don't know. They bench him at the weirdest times when he's balling out, and then you got to assist in the game against Real Madrid with Mason Mount scoring, and 
I don't know. I hope he starts. He deserves a start. Zach Steffen won't start. Unless Ederson gets some sort of injury, Zach Steffen ain't sniffing the goal for Manchester City. That just ain't happening. I would love to see Zach Steffen play in the Champions League final. I don't know who I'd want to win. I'm kind of just cheering for a fun game, you know? I don't really care who wins. I despise both teams, but I like the fact there's two Americans playing in the Champions League final. Now, one will play. The other one will play unless, or if there's an injury, and a catastrophic injury at that. It can't be like a, uh, I don't know, a bruised elbow. I don't know. It can't be something like that. It has to be something like a broken leg or something to keep Ederson out of the Champions League final. But it'd be cool to see. It'd be really cool to see in the Christian Pulisic scoring a goal against Zach Steffen would be kind of hurtful at the same time. I, I would think I would rather have Chelsea winning it because, you know, Christian's there. He's probably going to play. I would hope start. Steffen's not going to play. And it's Manchester City. Screw them. Them and Liverpool, I will never cheer for in a final. But I don't necessarily want Chelsea to win. I would just, it's kind of the lesser of two evils type thing where I'll cheer for Chelsea just because I don't want City to win it, okay? Does that make any sense? And then for, obviously, the Manchester United versus Villarreal game, I obviously want Manchester United to win as I grew up watching Manchester United. So it's an intriguing game there. Very intriguing game. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer trying to get his first piece of silverware for Manchester United and hopefully kickstart an excellent summer for the Red Devils as they bring in a lot of really good players. They're linked with Harry Kane, Jay and Sancho, Erling Holland, Among others, Declan Rice, Pau Torres... Uh, Rafael Varane, there's so many players they're linked with, maybe winning this and finishing second in the league will bring these players in and give players the current players that are threatening to leave, like someone like Paul Pogba, who hasn't said anything about leaving, but he's always linked with a move away from Manchester United. Maybe this keeps him there. I, I don't really know if he wants to leave. I think Mino Raiola, his agent, wants him to leave. That that situation's a giant mess. I, I don't really know how to get in, how to even start, really, on the Mina Raiola Manchester United rivalry, which is one of the biggest rivalries in the world that not a lot of people really talk about. But Raiola has kind of kept his mouth shut recently. So there is hope that Pogba stays at Manchester United. But who knows? That's the beauty and the curse of liking a sport like that, where you never know when your player could leave. Because contracts, it's not like football or something where you have to trade a player. No. If a player wants out, a team from somewhere else can buy them. And their contracts are basically there for release clauses so they can make the player agreed that they would not leave unless this amount of money was put forward for the, for the player. They don't need to go, okay, Manchester United, we're going to swap Paul Pogba with Rafael Varane. Which could happen. That's a very realistic thing, but I don't know if it will. You don't need to do that. You can just go out and buy Paul Pogba if you really wanted to. Contracts are nice, kind of assures people, but gets them more wages and then you have to pay them all. Like, I don't know. The, the It's different. If you haven't watched soccer for that long of a time, you probably don't understand the whole situation. My dad doesn't really understand it half the time, but it's the reality of sports world. So yeah, exciting times. Exciting finals. Villarreal again versus Manchester United. Chelsea versus Man City. I want Chelsea and Man United to win or... I would like Chelsea to win. I don't want them, though. I'd like them to win over City. But what probably will happen, both Manchester clubs win it. I don't, I, I don't know. Time will tell. I will get, it will get closer to that. We got till the end of the month to talk about that in full. So we got a little bit of, we got a little ways to go before this whole final kicks off. And then, then we can start pushing towards it. And then like we talked about on Wednesday, we have a big fight coming up this weekend. So, we, you know, the finals are a little towards the end of the month, but there's a big-time fight in boxing happening Saturday. Canelo Alvarez versus Billy Joe Armstrong. No, I uh, I even looked. Uh. Billy Joe Armstrong, for those of you unaware, is the lead singer of Green Day. Every time I see Billy Joe, my mind instantly goes to Billy Joe Armstrong. I even looked at his name and said, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, and then said it anyways. But, you know, you probably knew who I was talking about. I don't think you expected Billy Joe Saunders. Jeez, I, I did it backwards. I don't think you really expect Billy Joe Armstrong to fight Canelo Alvarez. It, dude's like 60 years old. I don't know how old he is. He's he, Green Day have been around for freaking ever. I, don't, I always get confused on how old they actually are. But Billy Joe Armstrong kind of keep himself looking like he's in his 20s. Dude, I, now I got to look this up because I'm not 100% sure anymore if he's... He's got to be in his 50s, right? 49. 
He's as old as my parents. Or one year younger than my, my parents, I guess. 49 years old. Just turned 49. Dude's still trying to keep it like he's looking in his 20s. But I digress. Billy Joe Saunders will be fighting Canelo Alvarez on Saturday in front of a possible 70,000 spectator crowd in AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, home of the Dallas Cowboys. It could be, now I could have read this wrong, could be one of the largest, if not the largest, indoor spectacle of all time, like for a boxing match. 70,000 fans could be expected at AT&T Stadium. That is going to be very exciting to see. Like when you, if you watch the, the Usman versus Masvidal fight, just the card for that. And you heard the crowd in there. They were at Jacksonville. You hear the crowd there. It brings back so many happy memories. It's hard to believe we are a year, maybe a little over a year, since we've been somewhat normal at at least sporting events. And now we're starting to see crowds come back in the fray. You had the Texas Rangers had a full crowd. You had Masvidal versus Usman had a big crowd. And then this one, 70,000. Now that'd be 30,000 or so less than what AT&T Stadium supposedly holds. I've been there. Nice stadium. Probably could hold the 100,000 if they really tried. But this will be a very, very fun match. It'll be on DAZN. Again, it's that streaming service where KSI Logan Paul was on, if you're unaware of what DAZN really is. You'll see, like, Anthony Joshua on there. You'll see Andy Ruiz on there, Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders. Those are the guys you'll get on there. It's more of a boxing thing, more than anything. But, yeah. I'm excited. I'm very excited for this. And for, again, for those of you who aren't aware, we talked about this Wednesday. Billy Joe Saunders was a guy that fought on the Logan Paul KSI undercard, and now he's fighting Canelo Alvarez, which, I mean, he was already one of the top boxers at the time. It was just kind of weird seeing him on the undercard of KSI versus Logan Paul, the second fight, which was, it's just weird to think about that. But fun fight. I, I'm still not 100% sure what time this thing actually kicks off. I haven't seen anything about an actual time. It's, I'm guessing around like 8 or something. Yeah, 8 p.m. Eastern time, May 8th. So make sure you tune into that. It's going to be very, very exciting. I'm pulling for Canelo as he is one of my favorite boxers, but Billy Joe Saunders will give him a test. I don't know if this fight will end early. I'm feeling like it's going to go all 12 rounds with Canelo winning on a unanimous decision. That's my prediction. Time will tell, though. It'll be a very, 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 very fun match. I'm excited. And we've got uh, this just something random. I was just scrolling on Twitter and I just thought I'd search it up real quick. Top Dog, you know, owner, founder, Top Dog Entertainment, Kendrick, you know, the label that has Kendrick Lamar, Absol, Isaiah Rashad, Schoolboy Q, J Rocks, is a lot, a few others. He came out with a tweet the other day that said, what was it? The wait is over on May 7th, which is tomorrow. And th- then there was something about today about there being something at 6 p.m. Central Time, I guess 4 p.m. Pacific Time, in Los Angeles, live video premiere, plus gifts, and there's going to be something on the 7th. Now, you know, crazy hip-hop fans, crazy rap fans out there, minds instantly go to Kendrick Lamar because, you know, he hasn't released anything since my freshman year of college. As he's my favorite rapper, my favorite musician of all time, it was it, it gets you excited every time you see it, but then you have to pull back your expectations a little bit because you're ready to get hurt again. Like, I remember J. Cole Kendrick Lamar album was teased for freaking ever, and it still hasn't been released. Probably will never get released. And there has been talks of there actually is an album. They're just not releasing it. Kendrick Lamar, there's been leaks pop out. Uh, he had the safe house leak with baby Keem that came out about a month ago, which is sick. It's probably still out there somewhere on spot on SoundCloud or YouTube or something, but yeah. And then there was the, the, the shots of him looking like he was doing a music video. So something's coming soon. I would imagine. I don't think this is Kendrick. Everybody out there saying it's Isaiah Rashad, who has also not released anything since my freshman year of college. And that's not a bad thing about Isaiah Rashad. I love Isaiah Rashad. It's just not Kendrick. That's the part that hurts. J. Cole is releasing something in the near future. I think today or tonight or something. Or at least a single. I don't know if the actual album is getting released tonight. I should have double-checked on that before. But I wasn't planning on talking about this. So, my bad about that. But yeah. Everybody's on edge with Kendrick Lamar and this new album release. Because Kendrick is one of those celebrities that doesn't like the spotlight. 
He kind of just chills in the background, hangs out with his family, doesn't go on social media or anything. I don't know if he doesn't go on. He doesn't post anything on social media. And everybody's just getting antsy. I, for one, am very antsy about this whole situation because, again, he's my favorite artist of all time. I want him to post something. I'm just waiting for his Instagram page to get swiped. And then I see a Roman numeral five on there for the heart part five. And then I know an album's coming. And now I've got one minute because Top Dog said at, what, 4 p.m. Pacific time, just to make sure time in Los Angeles right now, just so I'm 100% sure. L.A., California. It's 4 o'clock right now in L.A. So this is about, this is when he said something was going to drop. And now again, I know it's probably going to be Isaiah Rashad, which again, it's not anything bad. But it's just not Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> and there's a new video coming out. So I'll just go to YouTube. I'm just going to check this because, you know, it's 6 o'clock. I've got to talk about it. It's my favorite artist. So I'm, I apologize if you're not a fan of this. But I'm, I'm doing this for myself, really. It's go time. Premieres at 11. Why? <laughs> Why? Top Dog, you lied. You said it was at 6. Is the premiere coming out May, Thursday, May 6th, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Video premiere plus gifts. Oh, maybe that's just for the, the live thing. The YouTube one will be out at 11 tonight. Yeah, okay. I don't know what it's... I, it's We assume it's Isaiah Rashad. That's what I assumed when I first saw the tweet, but you know, my head runs places when your favorite... People's heads go different places when their favorite people are involved in something. My gut says Isaiah Rashad. My heart wants it to be Kendrick. My gut says Isaiah Rashad. And I'm not disappointed by that at all. He's got a single coming out, which is coming out tomorrow night or tonight or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to stop talking about this. I'm going to get my hopes up again. And just expecting Isaiah Rashad, even though I'm wanting Kendrick. And I need to stress a thousand times, I'm not disappointed it's Isaiah Rashad. I'm just disappointed it's not Kendrick. I love Isaiah Rashad. It's just not Kendrick, which is sad. And there we have it. So we've got that big thing out of the way. Now I think we can go over, finally, my week one feelings of the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. Because we obviously did a reaction post afterwards, the next, the day after the draft, we did a whole thing on ranking the, giving the grade to each pick. I would like to stress that's not necessarily for the player, it's for where they're picked and the team that they could have used value. I'm all about getting value for your pick. That's the main thing I like doing with the NFL draft is if you got value, like last year, Minnesota Vikings got a ton of value for their picks. Now, one of them, Jeff Gladney, that didn't really work out. There's a lot of situations going around with Jeff Gladney that I'm not going to get into right now, but who knows if he's going to be on the Vikings in the future. That's one of the reasons they probably brought in Patrick Peterson. So you've got Justin Jefferson, Without having to trade up, which is something I thought you would have had to do, especially with the Eagles there at 21, they took Jalen Rager, traded back on Jeff Gladney, got Ezra Cleveland in the second round, and they got Cam Dantzler in the third round. That is great value picks because Ezra Cleveland was also a guy that got linked with first-round ties, one with the Cleveland Browns, which is ironic. Cleveland, Cleveland, that was the whole thing. Now, Cincinnati got a player named Ben, or no. Was it Cincinnati? Who got Ben Cleveland? Was that the Ravens? We got another Cleveland in the AFC North, but it's not the Cleveland Browns. It's Ben Cleveland from Georgia. One of my favorite interior offensive linemen in this draft. But, yeah, value. They got Christian Derrissaw at 23. Value. That's great value picks right there. And, yeah, that's my main thing with the NFL draft. I If I was a GM, unless I had my heart set on somebody, I might be looking to trade back. Right, wrong, or otherwise, that's just how I would view the situation because... I'm trying to get the most value out of my picks. Like the Raiders, staying where they are and take overdrafting people, and it's not disrespect to the players or anything. It's more of saying the Raiders, like you could gotten if you traded back with somebody, you would have gotten Alex Leatherwood. There was not going to be a talk of Alex Leatherwood going in the first round, unless it was like pick 31. That was the earliest I saw him going in the first round. He goes 17. Beast of a lineman, just a question mark on where he is had a very bad senior bowl weekend and that it, just a lot of questions there they have a need on offensive line so it's not like it's a, a position they didn't need 
like a lot of people saying with the Travis Etienne thing and the Jaguars. They wanted Kadarius Toney, not surprised. He would have been perfect for what Urban Meyer wants to do, a Percy Harvin-esque player. Now, I liked, I, I, I would like to explain this. So I love Travis Etienne. He's one of my favorite players in the draft, one of my favorite running backs in college football. But the Jaguars have James Robinson. I totally get the argument about this was a stupid pick because they have James Robinson. He rushed for over 1,000 yards. They shouldn't have drafted Travis Etienne. There's a lot of good teams in the NFL that use two-back sets. And we talked about that on Monday, I believe, where you have New Orleans, you have Minnesota, uh, no, not Minnesota, Cleveland, Indianapolis, among others. Those are the only ones I can really think of off the top of my head. I wrote them down in the post. If you want to go to the LoganBlackmanShow.com, you can go to the post and read what I said in there. I'm just blanking at this point in time on the teams that use two running back sets and do very, very well in those two running back sets. So I don't really, I, I think Etienne is a great player, and I'm intrigued to see how they use them. I don't like that Urban Meyer said they wanted to use him as a third down back, but I think his versatility will give them options that James Robinson doesn't really offer. I think James Robinson is a very good running back. He had a very good year last year, but Etienne's a lot more versatile than James Robinson, and I think they could use him in a lot of different sets. They could use both of them at the same time. They could bring two running backs in at the same time with Etienne and James Robinson. I think that would work perfectly. Now, it's not Kadarius Toney. He's a running back, but he can make plays like Kadarius Toney. He can be in the return game. He can be in the pass game. He can be in the run game. That's what Kadarius Toney was, but it just made more sense because it's a wide receiver. Etienne's the running back. Now, again, I like the player. I can see where people get mad at the pick because of James Robinson. But when I saw the pick, I instantly thought of Trey Mason with the St. Louis Rams when they drafted Todd Gurley at 10. That was kind of a situation I saw too, but James Robinson had a lot better year than what Trey Mason was coming off of. If you don't remember Trey Mason, he was Heisman finalist at Auburn and like a weird eight finalist Heisman trophy race. I don't remember how that all went. That was a weird... They basically brought Trey Mason in so Johnny Manziel wouldn't come last. That was the main reason he was there and probably the only reason he was there. But that's what I got vibes from. I could see where people weren't, up, weren't happy with that, but I could see the Jaguars' thought process in this. Get a Trevor Lawrence, a familiar player that's very versatile, can do a lot of things for your offense as well as your special teams. I just don't like the fact that they came out and said we're going to use him as a third down back. That's not the part I really enjoyed. You can open up your playbook with Travis Etienne. I think that's the beauty of having a player like that. With the Packers, with Eric Stokes, makes sense. Pick makes sense, but it's not going to make people happy. It's not going to make Aaron Rodgers happy, and it probably pissed him off even more. Even though... The Packers, with Eric Stokes, that fills a arguably bigger position of need than wide receiver. Jair Alexander Alexander is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. That's unquestionable at this point in time. Kevin King put on one of the worst playoff performances from a cornerback in playoff history, maybe NFL history, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And watching him get burnt by, oh crap, 10, white dude, what's his name? Someone help me. This is the problem about not having a co-host here. What was his name? Scotty Miller. Burning past him. You get a guy like Eric Stokes ran a 4-2-9-40, has absolute burners. One of my favorite cornerback prospects in the draft in a very deep cornerback class. That's where you fix that. Eric Stokes was a baller at Georgia. Balled out at his pro day. Makes sense positionally for the Green Bay Packers. Fills a position of need. But with Aaron Rodgers wanting to go out and leave, you would think they'd want to draft a wide receiver. But you could also go, there's not a lot of good wide receivers in the first round. I think Elijah Moore would have made a lot of sense. He was second pick in the second round. You could have gotten him. Now you did. You did get a good wide receiver in the third round. You got Amari Rodgers. So it's not like you failed drafting a wide receiver unlike last year. You at least got one, and Amari Rodgers is a good one. You got Devontae Adams, I think, in the third round as well. So getting a third round player, even though it's not going to be as exciting as a first round player, Sometimes the third rounders can be better than the first rounders. You got a lot of good running backs and wide receivers that were drafted in the second and third rounds that are better and had better careers than players in the first round. But it's not exciting. <laughs> you want players in the first round. You don't want when you're watching your team draft, you don't want them to draft position that you don't want and then take one later. You're like, ah, oh, we could have had this player here. That hurts as a fan, but it's probably the smarter move for the Packers. Not maybe for the long run, but for the short term, 
Greg Eric Stokes fills a hole for the Packers. Now, does Aaron Rodgers stay? Does he go? That's the big question on everybody's mind. What does Aaron Rodgers do? My ultimate dream for Aaron Rodgers, and I know this probably won't happen, but this is what I want to happen. I want Aaron Rodgers to retire from the NFL. Yes, retire. And go host Jeopardy for a year. There was reports that he impressed the Jeopardy brass about being a full-time host. They liked him. He likes them. He's always wanted to host Jeopardy. It just makes sense. Retires, goes to Jeopardy for a year. Maybe two. Feeling how frisky he is about the whole situation. Then you field out the crowd and figure out which team could use a quarterback and which one of those teams that could use a quarterback is going to play the Green Bay Packers. Now, if you look at the landscape of the NFC North, you've got Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond in Minnesota and Nate Stanley, obviously. In Chicago, you got Justin Fields. He ain't going back to the Packers if he does this scenario. And the Lions got Jared Goff, but they're projected to have a top five pick. So do they go quarterback there? Would they take Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. The Lions got beat up by Aaron Rodgers for years, as as much as the NFC North. So does he go to another NFC team? I know he wanted to go to the the 49ers. That's not happening. He's wanted to do that his entire career. That's not happening because they just got Trey Lance. They have Jimmy Garoppolo there. That's not happening. You don't trade with the three, draft Trey Lance, and then a year take Aaron Rodgers. That's not really what you do. You waste a lot of picks. They're not wasted. You used a lot of picks to get up to get Trey Lance. The Raiders make sense. He's been intrigued by the Raiders from feels like the past two or three years. Gives Eric, gives John Gruden an experienced quarterback, a smart quarterback that could learn the playbook. You sit out for a year, you watch the Raiders suck this year, and then you come back to the NFL and you take over the reins because they're linked with a move away from Derek Carr every single offseason for whatever reason. I love, I, I don't love, I like Derek Carr. I think that dude gets too much hate, an unwarranted amount of hate. I don't really understand it. Same with Kirk Cousins, unwarranted amount of hate for those two players. I don't get it. I I don't understand the hatred, and it's not disliking. It is a full-blown hatred. These guys are going to get benched. They need to move. Oh, they're not going to start anywhere else if they left their current team, which is bullshit. That's not true at all. They're starters in the NFL. I hate how that whole thing got started, how that... They're backups if they leave their team. That's not true at all. I think the Vikings got a nice security blanket by getting Kellen Mond. The Raiders got Mariota and obviously, you know, Nathan Peterman, the real threat for the starting job. Do they go after Aaron Rodgers? And if they do, where does Derek Carr go? I don't know where Derek Carr's contract is at this point in time, but maybe the Raiders are an intriguing option. I know they're not NFC, but they could play the Packers. Not as often as what he'd probably like to. And then if you look around the entire landscape of the NFC, you've got the Cowboys got Dak. The Giants could be a willing party if Daniel Jones sucks this year. Because if he does, with the weapons they provided him this year, that's going to be bad and it's going to be very telling and we're going to have to cut him or just cut our losses here. The Eagles, would he go to the Eagles? I I just can't picture him in an Eagles uniform. Washington, I can see it. I can see him playing for Washington. Bears, no. Vikings, no. I think of the Bears, yes, if Justin Fields wasn't there. If he wasn't there, then I would say go to the Bears. Because his favorite place to play other in Lambeau Soldier Field, and just like Brett Favre, plays for a team that would beat up on the Packers. So maybe he does go to an AFC team for one year and then comes back to the NFC after all the feeling out process is done. Like if Carolina, if, they, if Sam Darnold's not that good this year, they could look at Aaron Rodgers. New Orleans, they could look at Aaron Rodgers. Then you have a division with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You have the opportunity to have them play twice a year. But I don't know. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. I want him to, all I know is I want him to retire, host Jeopardy, come back to the NFL, beat up on the Packers. If you're team Packers, I'm sorry. I don't really know what to tell you in this situation, but you're, you're fighting the losing battle here. But I will say this. Aaron Rodgers, unless he retires, doesn't have a whole lot of leverage in this situation. Now, the Packers reportedly have been looking at other quarterback options. Blake Bortles, Matt Barkley. There's been some other quarterback options I've seen float around, but I can't really remember at this point in time. But, man. Trade it up to draft Jordan Love. I hope Jordan Love's ready to play. Because if Rodgers does my dream scenario, you're going to find out if he's your guy or not. And this is probably making the Packers very, very nervous. If you told the dude you're going to trade him and then pussied out of it, 
I'd get a little pissed off too. That That's a little bit of an issue here. Maybe this is all getting blown up out of proportion because that seems to be a common theme with Aaron Rodgers' career where the media blows up this thing way larger than what it probably is. But I don't know. This is, seems like it's been brewing for a while now with this Aaron Rodgers hating his GM. He said unless the GM's fired, Aaron Rodgers ain't coming back. I think Aaron Rodgers done more for the city of Green Bay and that team in general than that GM ever has. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm Team Rodgers in this situation. I care less about Aaron Rodgers. Not a Packers fan. Not an Aaron Rodgers fan. Aaron Rodgers is one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. And when he's on, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are better than him. But I'm not. I, I could care less what happens. I'm not a Packers fan. Doesn't physically affect me at all. But I just wanted to. Ha- I want that scenario to happen. Be a pretty funny scenario, wouldn't it? Retire and go host Jeopardy. That's basically the same thing Brett Favre did, except he went to the Jets. I might as well have retired. <laughs> he retired to get out of the contract the Jets had so he could go to the Vikings. It's what, like Rob Gronkowski retired so he can get traded to the Lions. <laughs> That's the same exact thing. Rodgers, retire. Please, go to Jeopardy. That'd be really awesome to see. And that'd be really funny when you come back and tear apart the Packers. That'd be so freaking hilarious. Other picks in the first round. I mean, we went on a little Aaron Rodgers tangent. But go back to what we were talking about. First round of the NFL draft. Peyton Turner for the Saints, head scratcher. Not a great value pick there. Not a lot of people were expecting him to go into the first round, let alone the second round. He was expected to go really in the third round. They reached for Marcus Davenport a few years ago. They traded up to get Marcus Davenport. And that hasn't worked out. Even though they they brought back his fifth-year option, he hasn't really done a lot down in New Orleans. I was kind of surprised when they did that. Maybe it's just their cap situation and the fact they can't afford to bring anybody else in. I don't know, but this was kind of confusing, especially when you look at the edge rushers that he went before, Greg Rousseau, Jason Oway, Joe Tryon. It's kind of surprising that he went before them, maybe just because he's a natural D-end, whereas Oway and Tryon are outside linebackers. Rousseau's a D-end, but I, I don't know. That was a weird pick by the New Orleans Saints. I still feel kind of weird about that. A lot of people are hating on the Kadarius Tony pick, for the New York Giants, Kadarius Tony is one of my favorite players in the draft, and he could do so much for an offense that I think he'd be perfect for someone like Daniel Jones, who needs that kind of guy. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton are all right receivers. They're good wide receivers. Kenny Galladay is a really good wide receiver. Kadarius Tony's a really good weapon. He can do everything, like we've talked about with Etienne can play wide receiver, can play running back, can be a threat in the return game, Hell, can even throw the football. He played quarterback in high school, made throws in, at Florida. He is fantastic. And for a coach like Joe Judge, who is a former special teams as well as receiver coach, I think he'd love a guy like Kadarius Toney. I think it's obvious they wanted Devontae Smith. As you, as you see, they traded back right after he got picked at 10. So they wanted him. So if the whole thing went... Normally, we would have seen Kadarius Tony in Jacksonville and Devontae Smith in New York. That's what would have happened. That's what the teams wanted. Obviously, that didn't happen. The Eagles traded up to get Smith. Giants traded back, took Tony. Jaguars kind of standing there twiddling their thumbs a little bit, and we're like, well, we'll take Etienne, which was rumored to happen. It's not like it just came out of nowhere. That was rumored to happen. The Jets and the Jaguars were linked with Travis Etienne, and the Jaguars were the team that ultimately pulled the trigger on Etienne. I'm excited to see what he does. I'm very excited to see what he does. Other picks, Najee Harris got a lot of hate because, oh, they need offensive linemen. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, the he This was a rumor that was started off like a month ago, so I'm not surprised at all it actually happened. When Mike Tomlin called him, dude said, you know who this is. He knew who it is. Yeah, we know it's you, Mike Tomlin, because you we knew this was happening. And Najee Harris fills the hole that the Raiders, the Raiders Steelers have at running back. He's a versatile running back. Not as versatile as the end, but he can make plays out of the backfield and pass game as well as the run game. Big dude, shifty, very athletic. What the Steelers have always liked at running backs were bigger dudes that are athletic. You look at all the running backs throughout their history, the best ones, Franco Harris, Jerome Bettis, even Le'Veon Bell. That's what, that's what Travis, geez, Najee Harris is. He's Derrick Henry that can make catches out of the backfield and jump over defenders while also being able to run them over. I'm excited to see what Najee Harris can do. 
Him and Etienne were 1A, 1B in the draft, and I'm not surprised at all they went one pick before and after each other because they're very good players. Uh, other picks, Zayvon Collins, versatility. They liked Isaiah Simmons. Zayvon Collins could replace Chandler Jones if he were to leave. He could play inside linebacker, replace Hassan Riddick, who went to Carolina, I believe. I like that. I, I get it's a little bit of a – I mean, I don't really know what to say about this one. It's a little bit of a reach. I will say that. But I think Zayvon Collins' versatility, he's, the, he's a linebacker with the body of a defensive end that has the skills of a safety. That's hard to pass up. If you're a team that just drafted a player that's versatile like Isaiah Simmons, you get a guy like Zayvon Collins, got one of the most versatile teams in the NFL. The best corners were off the board. J.C. Owen, Patrick Tan, gone. The wide receivers, the best ones, all gone. So, Zayvon Collins makes a ton, made a ton of sense. J.C. Horn, one of the best corners going to the Panthers, going number one. This dude, I don't know why. I've seen a lot of low grades from people on this one. Horn can ball. Horn's a lot more twitched up than Patrick Sertan is. I think his mentality of, I don't care who's facing me. I'm going to beat the crap out of you and beat you. You look at the receivers he faced, and the only receiver to have 60 or more yards against him was Devontae Smith. Dude, dude's a baller. He was one of the fastest risers of the entire draft. Not surprised he went to the Carolina Panthers. They literally had that. If they'd stayed at eight, they were going to take Horn. I had that in my mock draft. But I had them trading back with the Patriots to Justin Fields. And speaking of Justin Fields, the Bears taking Justin Fields at 11. Steal. Steal the first round. Taking Justin Fields at number 11 is insane value for that. And the Bears actually got a quarterback that can give fans hope. Forget that the Bears' history of quarterbacks. Forget Ohio State's quarterback history in the NFL. This is your exception. Justin Fields is a baller. He's not the same quarterback as Dwayne Haskins. They are not the same player. You watch Justin Fields, not only on the field, you watch him as he got drafted, he is a completely different person than Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins came in this league super immature. Justin Fields is coming in this league very mature. So I think there's been enough talking right now. I'm just going to go out there and play. That was pretty much what he said. Dude's ready to play. And whether he learns behind Andy Dolan or starts week one, I think he's going to be a baller. I'm excited to see what he does. And the Bears got Tevin Jenkins in the second round. Beautiful value picks. Good Lord, Chicago. I don't care if you gave him a first rounder last year. Next year. You got Justin Fields. Are going to be the second best quarterback in this draft class at 11. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Every other pick, I don't really think got a lot of dis- a lot of hate. I think Jamar Chase got a little bit of a hate, but I think most people, most react, most rational people can go, okay, they were one of the le- most legendary duos when they were together. I think it makes sense for them to do this. But then you can also go, oh, wow, they passed on Panay Sewell. Jamar Chase is a baller. This pick, they would have won regardless. I don't want to see people bashing on the pick because, oh, they didn't draft Sewell. Jamar Chase is a beast. Do not hate on Jamar Chase going to the Cincinnati Bengals. They did improve their offensive line this offseason, so it's not like they dra- They were still at Bobby Hart at right tackle. If they had Bobby Hart there, then sure, totally, take Panay Sewell. But you got Riley Reef. Jonah Williams is still there. Quentin Spain is supposed to improve this year. Do it. <laughs> You're fine. Take a guy like Jamar Chase. You have no deep passing attack. Take him. And then for the people that go, oh, man, well, you don't have a deep passing attack. You don't have an offensive line. I hear that. But it's not like their offensive line is the same offensive line that got him to hurt last year. Bobby Hart's on the Buffalo Bills for whatever reason now. So that legend of Bobby Hart is gone. Don't need to worry about that anymore. You got Riley Reeve coming off a career year, cut because of cap issues, a lot, like a lot of players this year. They'll be fine. Gerber will be fine. Quarterbacks have come back from ACL tears all the time. It's not like it's a... Uh, career-ending injury anymore, like what Gale Sayers happened. Players now can come back even stronger from an ACL tear. And Burrow's not the most insanely mobile guy of all time, so it's not like it threatened his mobility. He's decently mobile, but it's not like his game is solely predicated on him being able to run the ball. He can make plays with his feet. He doesn't have to. He's got a really nice arm, and he's very confident in himself. I think giving a guy like Jamar Chase even amplifies amplifies his confidence in himself, and I'm excited to see what Burrow does with Jamar Chase. This was just a very fun NFL draft. I'm mad at myself because I had things if I didn't do trades, and I talked myself out of numerous picks. 
Trey Lance of the 49ers, the one I'm most pissed off about because Trey Lance is my favorite quarterback in this draft class because he reminds me so much of Josh Allen. He could be the best quarterback in this class if coached upright, which he's in a perfect system with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. That is set up for him to succeed, and I'm very happy he's there. I'm happy Mac Jones is in New England. That makes a ton of sense. Look at how, how good the Patriots have been with that kind of quarterback. Mac Jones is that. All the quarterbacks, I think, are in perfect spots for them. I don't want to see people hating on Zach Wilson. This dude can ball. He's got the potential. Yeah, he didn't play the best competition, but he's got a skill set that is very rare in quarterbacks. He's a great ad-libber. He's got a cannon for an arm, can contort his body, make throws all over the field. He'll be fine. This is not the same Jets team from the years gone by that just stick up two middle fingers to their quarterbacks. No, this is Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, two very smart individuals with Mike LaFleur as the OC. This is a very smart group. They traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker. They got Elijah Moore in the second round. They got Michael Carter in the fourth round. Like, this is not the same Jets. They attacked their offense, which is what they needed. This is perfect for them. A great draft by the New York Jets. I like all. I like almost all of these picks in the first round. There's a couple where I... Like, scratch my head a little bit. Like we said, the Raiders, the Jaguars, or not the Jaguars, the, the Saints. I guess the Jaguars to a certain extent, but the Saints mostly. Saints and Raiders were the two main ones. But all in all, I don't think there's a lot of people that can come away disappointed with their first-round selections. They all make sense. I know, like, the Packers getting a wide receiver would be the main objective there. You want a guy to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. But they got a good one in Amari Rodgers. It's not like they got some scrub in the seventh round. No, they got Amari Rodgers who is a baller, and I'm excited to see what those guys can do up in Green Bay. With Eric Stokes, I think you instantly improved your cornerback room. You had Jair Alexander already there. Now, get Eric Stokes. Perfect. Browns, great draft. Greg Newsom, JOK, perfect. That's a baller. Two rounds. The Jack, the Browns, hell, they might go 12-4. and four. They might win the AFC North this year. They're a threat. They got a complete off the line. They got a complete running back room. Baker's playing well. Got great tight ends. Really good wide receivers. Defense. Rejuvenated. You got Jadavian uh, Clowney this offseason. You got JOK in the second freaking round. You got Greg news from the partner Denzel Moore, Denzel Ward. I almost said Denzel Curry. You got Jim John Johnson from the LA Rams to come in. Grant Delpit will be coming off injury. Greedy Williams will be coming off injury. You guys are set up perfectly at this point in time. And... I'm scared of the Browns this year as a Bills fan. I'm scared of a few teams. The Dolphins scare me as well. They're a very smart run organization at this point in time. But the Browns are very scary. The Brown, Obviously the Chiefs. I don't really need to mention the Chiefs, do I? But Browns, Dolphins, Chiefs, Ravens are still scary. They got two good wide receivers in Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace. Attacked that position of need because their receiving room was one of the worst, if not the worst, in the entire NFL so it was right to address that, getting a guy like Rashad Bateman who is experienced in run blocking. Same with Tylen Wallace. He was a wide receiver when they ran for 2,000 yards with Chubba Hubbard. Like, you got wide receivers that can do what your offense wants to do, and that's very smart play by the Ravens. Getting Jason Owe, though didn't have any production last year, is a major developmental piece. And for the Ravens, who have a history of being a very good developmental team of bringing in rookies and developing them into the best players available – Perfect. Ravens, again. So, like, you've got... If I had to predict, like, this is lame to do right now because we obviously haven't had preseason. Don't know what the roster is going to look like. We don't have the rookies if they're going to get injured or major other injuries. But for division winners, at this point in time, probably going to say the Bills for the AFC East. Probably. I'll say the Chiefs for the AFC West. I think those are two easier ones to predict. I think the... Ooh. This one, I'll say the Browns for the AFC North. I'll say the Browns. I'll say the Cleveland Browns. And then I'll say the Tennessee Titans for the AFC South. Then for the Wild Cards, I'll say the Dolphins and the Ravens. I think the Chargers will be pushing. I think the Patriots will be pushing. I think the Broncos will be pushing. The Colts will be pushing. The Steelers might be pushing, depending on how their off the line turns out. But that's what I'm looking at for the AFC. For the NFC, I'll say the Cowboys for the NFC East with Dak back is going to be big. For the NFC North, ooh. I'll say the Vikings just because if Aaron Rodgers is there, Packers. If not... I think the Vikings getting their very good draft last year, getting some experienced players to help 
coach up those draft picks from last year that didn't really have a very big supporting room or support group. That helps them a lot. So I'll say them. The pair the Bears are gonna be tough too. Justin Fields, I don't know. NFC North will be tough. We all know the Lions are coming last, but that top spot will be hard. NFC South, I mean Bucks, right? It has to still be the Bucks. And then the NFC West, I'm saying the 49ers go back to the top. If they can stay healthy, 49ers go right back to the top. I think the Rams come in second and they can win over the wild card. And then I think I don't know. Whoever finishes second in the NFC North or the Seahawks, that's what I'm feeling right now. But that's where we got a long time. We got like 90-something days till the preseason starts. We have 11 or so days until the schedule release, and then we'll have a better idea. And from what I've heard, the Bills are looking to be playing the Buccaneers week one. So that will be interesting. That will be interesting. So it will be the first game of the season, one would assume, because Buccaneers... Fresh off their Super Bowl victory. They're going to have their banner raising or whatever. I don't know what they call it in the NFL. Their ring ceremony. Because I know you call it a banner, cer- banner raising in the NHL and the NBA. Ring ceremony. I don't really know what they call it for the NFL, to be honest. It's going to be an emotional day for the Bucks. Hopefully the Bills can take advantage of that because that would be really awesome to see. Very awesome to see. And, well, we're we're about ready to wrap things up here on this on this. Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Hope you've enjoyed the show today because this is the last one we're going to be doing for a little bit. I'm going to take all of next week off because I just want to relax. My throat kills. I, I'm still recovering from the NFL draft thing. I just want a little break from my show. And then we'll start off season three because I feel like Friday is a good way to end it for just like a week. Again, it's not anything ridiculously long or anything. It's just something nice. Nice little break. Let me recuperate a little bit. Go to sleep at normal times. I don't really think there's a lot of things I could talk about coming up anyways. I could talk more baseball, basketball, hockey's coming towards the end of their regular season. Same with the NBA. So we could do that stuff too. The MLS is starting their season off, and I never got to an MLS <laughs> preview, which is my bad, and I think it's too late to actually release a preview at this point in time. We'll just talk about that at the end of the season and how I thought they would do. And I know I can BS my way into that and go like, I thought this would happen. It's like Richard Sherman saying he thought he was surprised when Justin Herbert wasn't first overall. Like, okay, dude, you just completely ignored Joe Burrow winning the Heisman Trophy with the largest margin of victory ever and setting a historic season. You're surprised he got drafted first overall. Okay. Like, I could do that. Well, I'm not going to, I'm trying, I'm going to try not to do that. I know teams like Sporting Kansas City, Seattle are going to be better teams towards the end of the season. So we'll get to that once we do, but I want to end it on. Talking about my, Todd McShay's 2022 NFL Draft, I, we don't know where any team's going. We don't even know what the schedule is at this point in time. So it's kind of a crapshoot. Again, it's a crapshoot anyways, but it's more of a crapshoot when you don't even know what the schedule looks like and you don't know who's going to make the rosters or who's injured and all that stuff. We can assume, though, like teams like Houston, teams like Detroit, we can assume that they're not going to be very good. First and second overall picks, time will tell. But here we go. Kayvon Thibodeau going number one for to, to Houston. Depends on how much they like Davis Mills. If Deshaun Watson's their quarterback, then yeah, they might not finish last. But I mean, they had a third pick with Deshaun Watson there this year who had a career year. But if, Davis, if they feel like Davis Mills is the future guy, then Kayvon Thibodeau is the smart pick. He's already going in as the number one overall player in the draft. I don't think that's going to be disputed by a lot of people. But I could see quarterback here. But if they like Davis Mills that much, who a lot of teams really do did like Davis Mills, then go with Thibodeau. If not, go with one of the quarterbacks. Number two, the Lions getting Keaton Slovis. Kind of surprised by that. I He's the most accurate quarterback in this draft class by far. He's not the most mobile. He had a little inconsistencies last year. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in this draft class. He just needs to get the consistency down. Threw a lot of passes last year. Again, highly accurate, but not insanely mobile. He's not a statue. Him and Mac Jones are very similar. I think Keenan Slovis is better shape than Mac Jones, but very similar style of quarterbacks. Not insanely strong arms. Can move, but maybe a little underrated mobility. Very, very accurate. Very quick processor. That's what Keenan Slovis is. Second overall, I don't know. With the way the NFL is going with ad-libbing and how athleticism is very big in quarterbacks nowadays, I don't know if Keenan Slovis goes second overall. Well, time will tell. After this season, I think he definitely has the potential to go number two. But at this point, well, there's other quarterbacks I would put above there. 
Uh, Derek Stingley from LSU going to Jacksonville. I mean, Derek Stingley's the best defensive back in this draft. I mean, that's not really saying a lot. He was going to go in the first round if he came out as a freshman when they won the national championship. He's the best corner in this draft. He should be the top five pick in next year's draft. Uh, Charles Cross going to the New York Jets. He's an offensive tackle from Mississippi State. I am kind of surprised that Evan Neal from Alabama was not the first offensive tackle taken. But you know what? Charles Cross, Mississippi State, gets him a right tackle to partner Mekhi Becton. You got Elijah Vera Tucker to probably play guard, can play tackle if need be, protect Zach Wilson at all costs. Makes sense. And the Bengals taking Zion Nelson, Zion Nelson from Miami. He's been the one that I've seen being the second best tackle in this draft behind Evan Neal from Alabama. But you know what? I I don't know what the order is going to be. Again, this is a total crapshoot at this point in time. I'm here. We'll talk about the top five picks, and the rest are quarterbacks for me, pretty much. Sam Howell going to the Eagles at number seven. I think Sam Howell is the best quarterback in this draft at this point in time. The Eagles, we don't know what they're going to do. We know they're not entirely committed to Jalen Hurts. So if he has an all right year this year, we could see them move on from him. Like the Jaguars. Gardner Minshew had an all right year last year and the season before that. But you can upgrade. And maybe the Eagles feel like they can do that with Jalen Hurts. Sam Howell would be an upgrade in my opinion, but I don't know if the, we'll have to see how good Hurts is. The Eagles are a question mark when it comes to quarterbacks. The Broncos taking Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma at number 11. Ad-libber. I know there's a lot of Iowa State fans that would not like this, and I say that because I have a few friends from high school that went to Iowa State and are big-time Denver Broncos fans. I know they don't like Spencer Rattler, but Spencer Rattler probably has the highest ceiling out of this quarterback class at this point in time where at last year at times we saw him a little bit flustered, but we saw the next play like making an insane play that not a lot of other quarterbacks can make. His arm arm power is, or throw power, arm power sounded weird, throw power is ridiculous. It's like just a little flick of the wrist. It's 60 yards downfield. He's very athletic, not like, like Lamar or Malik Willis or Michael Vick fast, but he's fast enough. He can move around, but he's a little undersized, 6'1", 205. He's the smallest quarterback in this first round, at least in my rankings anyways, weight and height-wise. Uh, yeah, ad-libber, perfect. I don't know if he'd fall all the way to 11. I have a hard time picturing him fall to 11, but his height, size could be a little different. I mean, hell, we didn't expect Justin Fields to go to number 11 either, and that happened, so maybe Spencer Rattler could fall to 11. I think his potential is insanely high. Love to see how he does this year. I'm expecting a monster year from him. Maybe a Heisman Trophy comes out of it for Spencer Rattler. The next one on this list, Malik Willis from Liberty. Unsurprisingly, I mean, Todd McShay obviously reads my website a lot. This is my top four quarterbacks in this draft class. Slovis, Howell, Rattler, Malik Willis. I'm in a little different order. I have Howell, Rattler, Willis, Slovis. I think Willis offers something no one else does in this draft. We compared it to Michael Vick in the last show because he plays like Michael Vick. This is not a lazy comparison like the Lamar Jackson thing where you just see the athleticism there. Lamar's bigger, doesn't have as strong of an arm, is way more accurate than Vick. Other than the athleticism, they're not the same quarterback. Malik Willis and Michael Vick are cannon arms, somewhat inconsistent accuracies. Like I said last time, Willis, I think, is a tiny more accurate because I don't think his arm's as strong as Vic's, which is where it hurt Vic, where the arm power kind of hurt Vic's accuracy stats. But athleticism, insane, very similar. They're very similar in build as well. Not very big guys. Like you, I threw on side-by-side -side clips of Vic and Malik Willis. They're damn near identical in some of the plays they make. Like the two, the only two plays that I put on there, they're identical. And you can go on Malik Willis's tapes. You can go on Michael Vic's tapes. They make the same plays. He even wears number seven to make it stand out even more that he wants to be like Michael Vick or Vick's uh, role model for him as regards to play-wise. I think he could go higher. I think the ideal scenario is going to Atlanta. I know that's a little bit lazy because Michael Vick was there. Malik Willis is from Georgia, from Atlanta to be specific. But I think that'd be really cool to see. Matt Ryan would be on his last year's contract. You could run in your offense with the way Arthur Smith wants to go. Have a fast quarterback like Malik Willis who has an absolute cannon for an arm. Basically bring in the 2020s version of Michael Vick. Which would be awesome to see. It's lazy to say that he go to the Falcons. But that's kind of what I want to happen. They have him going to the Washington football team here. But, man, 
I don't know if he'd be available by 15. But his size could be an issue here. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati going 16. Him and Willis, I had harder times ranking. They're very similar in regards to their passing stats. It was really their rushing stats that kind of threw those two apart for me. This is how, again, top five quarterbacks, here's where the top five quarterbacks are. In a little bit different order than what I had, but I see where he's coming from. Ritter's a very inconsistent passer. His completion percentage jumped up 11% points from his sophomore year to his junior year. He's a very big dude, ideal size for today's quarterback, especially tied in with his mobility. 6'4", 215, very athletic, very willing runner. Good arm, good arm, inconsistent accuracy. That That's a big jump. 11% is a massive leap in completion percentage. So, yeah, he just needs to work on his throwing a little bit, his consistency in his throwing. He's working with Jordan Palmer, who's worked with Josh Allen, worked with a lot of other NFL quarterbacks. If anybody's going to help him find consistency in his passing game, it'd be Jordan Palmer. And I think if Ritter can get some of that consistency, he could be the number one quarterback taken in this draft. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. He's got an insane, like, physical attributes to be a stud in the NFL. And we're talking just physically, not really looking at stats or game tape. You're just looking at him. That looks like a number one overall pick. Size, athleticism, arm power. Like, that, that's what you'd want. If going to 16 of the Steelers, I think he fits what the Steelers want in quarterbacks. But I'll t- time will tell. They, these quarterbacks... All having, I think the only one I think is going to go in the top 10 that I can guarantee at this point, Sam Howell. Everybody else could go anywhere. I think they all have got great potential to go in the first round. I think JT Daniels is the hardest one to predict out of this first round group because he's so inconsistent. It's ridiculous. I don't know what to think of JT Daniels. And I think you can see a common trend here with my quarterback thing. Consistency. A lot of these quarterbacks have had consistency issues. Keaton Slovis had that last year. Spencer Rattler would look very flustered and then look amazing the next time. Malik Willis, at times, can be a little inaccurate. You can see that against NC State. I just watched that tape a little bit more today. You can watch that, and he sees some things and overthrows them a little bit, kind of what Vic was dealing with. I think he'd come over fine this year. Desmond Ritter, inconsistent passer, finds some consistency. JT Daniels has potential to be the number one pick. I will not get him a number one spot yet. Because I just watched him lose the starting job to Keaton Slovis. And with Slovis with the exact same offense that they were running, with the same weapons, Slovis annihilating everything JT Daniels did as a freshman. Like, the numbers weren't even comparable. He went 5-7, and seven, had almost the same number of interceptions as touchdowns. Completion percentage wasn't great. Slovis throws for, what, 30 touchdowns, a sane amount of yards, high completion percentage. And then JT Daniels transfers to Georgia, played well in those four games. But did we see enough there to put him as the number one spot? No. We're just basing it off what we saw in high school. We're giving him the Sam Darnold treatment. Like, this dude can't mess up. He's got potential. He's got potential to be the best. He's got potential to be the best. We haven't seen it. I haven't seen anything that's warranted him being a number one pick, let alone a first-round pick. And I'm glad Todd McShay didn't have him in the first round here because he's not at this point in time, unless I completely missed him. I don't think dude's a first-round pick at this point in time. As we're sitting here on April, May 6th, 2021, JT Daniels is not a first-round pick. That could totally change, but that's how I'm seeing it right now. Carson Strong could leap up in the first round. I think Phil Yurkovic could go up in the first round. Jaden Daniels is a guy I really like, but he's very, very skinny, so maybe teams don't want him in the first round. There's a lot of variables that can happen between now and and the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. We are literally a year away from that happening. And I'm excited. I think we all know Kayvon Thibodeau is the best player in this draft. Quarterbacks can be ranked in pretty much any order. But again, my top five, Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis, Keaton Slovis, Desmond Ritter. I think that's a very easy top five to have. I think that's what I, I would hope most people would start watching Malik Willis. If not from listening to this show... Talk, watch, seeing Todd McShay talk about, or at least post him. I don't know if he's talked about him. Because I, I just pulled this up. I was just on ESPN trying to find some other things to talk about. Saw this. So I was like, oh, this would be nice to talk about. Got post this morning. Must have read the Logan Blackman Show website to see this. But yeah, you know, a lot of things can happen. Very exciting. And we don't know which teams could need quarterbacks. Maybe someone's got a diamond in the rough that we don't know about. And they're going to want to draft a quarterback, or not draft a quarterback, because they like the guy they got. Who knows? 
But teams like the Giants with Daniel Jones, the Broncos with Drew Locke, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, with these young quarterbacks that we don't know what they are. They have a lot of inconsistencies, which is not great. And what you want from your quarterback is consistency. See how I've said that about a thousand times since we did we did the initial list on Wednesday. That's what teams want. They want consistency from their starting quarterback. Because you're the most important position on the field. If you're inconsistent, that's going to mean the rest of the team's inconsistent, and we don't want that. So hopefully the rest of these quarter, the quarterbacks... This is such a... I hate sounding like this. Because it makes me sound like a dickhead where I think I'm better than these guys. I don't. I know I'm not better than these guys. And I hate saying, oh, I hope these guys find some consistencies this year. They're all uber-talented. I think a guy like Spencer Rattler, his talent will outweigh that, and people will go, oh, we can groom him into this. Especially once he balls out this year, like I'm expecting. I think everybody's expecting to. But again, Sam Howell's been the most consistent out of this draft class. I'm intrigued to see how he does without his massive group of weapons that just went to the NFL draft. All of them got drafted. Be intrigued to see how he does without them, but I'm still expecting a, a very nice season from Sam Howell. He's the best quarterback in the ACC. Kind of expecting him to be, you know, the best quarterback in the ACC. Even with Derek King and Phil Yurkovic and other people there, but Sam Howell's the best, and I, I hope that he continues that consistency and deserve, he deserves to be the number one pick in the draft. He deserves it. He's the best quarterback in this draft at this point in time. I think Rattler could jump him. I think Willis could jump him. But at this point, I'm still going with Hal. So with that being said, that's all I've got for you today on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, we're going to take a week off. So this whole next week, whatever the dates are, the 10th through 14th, we're going to have that off for the 9th through 15th if you want to count the weekends. I don't care. But the 10th through 14th, so we're not going to have a show the 10th, 12th, or 14th. We'll be back on the 17th, tax day. And yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go and check out the Logan Blackman Show website if you haven't already to read the list that we have on there. Go ahead and follow me on all forms of social media. Go follow the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel and I will see you guys later. Peace.